started a series last week called Basic Training in which we are looking this year at learn, going through the Bible and asking basic questions. Questions that I think we've forgotten to ask over the years. And what it's led to is a failure to pass on our biblical values. We talked last week about how the nation is on fire because as a, as a culture, we have forgotten the values of our founding fathers, of our constitution, of the Declaration of Independence. But the church also is in a world of hurt. We now have openly gay and lesbian bishops in, in the church. Um, churches that don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I mean... Why even go to church? I, I, that always puzzled me. <laughs> but the church has also forgotten to pass on values like we should. Now, a catechism, next slide there, Sean. A catechism, all it is, is a systematic learning of the scripture. You might recall the illustration I gave you was that of looking at a, the top of a, a puzzle. And you might not know how all the pieces fit together, but if you can find the corners, if you can find the edges, and get that put together first, it is a big help. And that's what catechisms do. That's what learning the Bible systematically does. It, it gives us a box-top view of the Bible. It gives us clarity on what the church has held for 2,000 years. I mean, guys, this might shock you, but if we come out and start saying something or affirming something that no Christian has affirmed for 2,000 years, we're probably wrong. Right? Gives us clarity on what the Bible does and doesn't say. Also gives us security. We talked about how every cult leader... <laughs> Uh, at least in the United States, most there's lots of cult leaders that they start with this. And they say, this is all I have. This is all I go by. And so what do we do? Well, we need to know what the church historically has taught. And that's all a catechism is. Last week, we looked at, next slide there, Sean, we looked at uh, the, the fact that God, made, in fact, we answered three questions. Who made you? What else did God make? everything, and why did he make you? And the answer to that one was he made me and all things for his own what? Glory. glory. That's it. Did you live for God's glory this week? We're going to talk about that a little bit more today. This week, I'm not wearing my glasses, but I think it says, how can you glorify God and why should you? How can you glorify God? Well, the answer to that According to the Catechism, I'm going to go ahead and answer the first question first. How can you glorify God? You know, uh, that might seem like an elementary question. Like, duh, the Bible tells us, right? But what if God, just think about this for a second. What if God had not told us how to glorify Him? What would life be like? How would you worship? Go to the next slide there, Sean. We would, we would follow any number of ideas, wouldn't we? Why do people, why do Hindus worship idols? You know, 
Hindus have over a million gods. It's, it's thought that no one Hindu knows who all their gods are. How did that develop? Well, they thought there's a God and, and I need to worship him. But they didn't have the Bible. Why do people look to horoscopes and look at the stars and try to divine, you know, what's going to happen in my life? Am I going to have a good day or a bad day? Should I stay home? You know, people, we may, you know, I tend to kind of take it silly, but some people take that stuff very seriously. Uh, why do people turn to drink and alcohol and other items? You know, there's lots of things we can get addicted to. Why do people do that? What is their purpose in life? There are witches still today. You know that? In the Army, uh, in the reserve side, one of my jobs is to find out what all, what all the soldiers believe. At least what they declare, right? Whether they're consistent or not is a different matter. But, you know, what's your, what's your faith practice? You would not believe... The number of soldiers that it's and it's growing that declare themselves to be pagan, heathen, Wiccan, witch, Satanist. Even I had one guy say he was a Satanist. Of course, a lot of for a lot of people, God, money is their god, and that's how they worship. I'm going to make as much money as I can. For others, politics has become an idol. I mean, do y'all remember how revered Obama was? It was incredible. Pictures of him as the Messiah and stuff. But guess what, guys? Our side, my side was just as bad. I can't speak for you. There's people that think Trump's the same way. There's only one guy. And his name ain't Trump, and it's not Obama. There's one guy. For others... You know, social media likes... We, we got a lot of gods that we serve. And if he had not told us how to worship him, we could go in any number of directions and nobody could tell us that we're wrong. But, thanks be to God, he did give us instruction on how we can glorify him. Did he not? The purpose for which we were made. And what he tells us is that there are two primary ways that we can give God glory. Two. The first one is this. And here's the question. What is the first way we can bring glory to God? Well, we can bring glory to God by loving Him. I believe that's your next slide there. Could be mistaken. Yeah, there it is. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5, which you probably don't have memorized, says, well, Jesus quotes it in Mark chapter 12 and verse 30. And I believe that's on the back of your bulletin. Where did I put my bulletin? On the back of your bulletin, there's a verse. And I believe I have both of those verses, or at least one of them. Deuteronomy 6, 5, in the Old Testament, Moses said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. With every, in other words, I, you know, people get caught up on, well, what is the heart what is the soul? What is the might? When Jesus quotes this in Mark chapter 12 and verse 30, he adds another category. He says, with all of your mind. But I don't, I don't, 
personally think we need to get caught up on what's the difference between the heart, the soul, the mind, and the strength of the might. You know what I think he's saying? Love God with every ounce of your being. Love God with your body. Love God with your intellect. In other words, study things that bring that, that, that show God that you love Him. You know what? Let's take, just take the astrology as an example. Can you be a serious practitioner of astrology and at the same time say, God, by studying this, by using my mind to study this, I am loving you. I don't think so. Can, can you spend, I don't know, you know, th there are people who are into politics big time right now. Can you spend hours a day thinking about that and studying that and say, by, by, by doing this, God, I am bringing glory to you. I am loving you. Now, God says, love me with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so the, the first item is this. When you love God, you are bringing him what? Glory. That's right. You are fulfilling your purpose because the Bible says that God made you to give him glory. But how, here's the real question, how can you know that you love God? <laughs> That's a real problem, isn't it? How do you express your love to God? I mean, the Hindus say, right, that they are expressing their love to God by, did y'all see the picture of that lady worshiping that idol? They say that, that, they're, that they're loving God when they do that. So how do we know? Well, that brings us to the second one. You can glorify God by obeying his commands, by keeping his commandments. Now, the funny thing is, there is a direct tie between letters A and B up there. Loving God and obeying him. You see, we shouldn't be mystified by how we can obey God. How, how, do, how do we know how to obey God? Do, our, do we just go out and, well, you know, I'm going to go out to the deer stand and just meditate on the deer. I'm going to look at that corn pile, and God's going to reveal it to me. Or I'm going to go out to the fishing pond, and, and the Lord's just going to speak to me there. I've known people that said, that's where God speaks to me. And by the way, I, I, think, I do think there's something to being in what God created, his beautiful nature, that God can talk to us sometimes there in ways that we can't when we're sitting in the living room where the TV's going and they, the, the iPod, you know, the, who uses an iPod anymore? The, the phone's going, whatever. Sometimes we need to get away from it all. But there is a very specific place where we find the, the commands of God, and it is in this book, the Bible. For example, Try this on yourselves. God says, be kind, Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God forgave you in Christ. So what's the command there? There's actually several. Be kind to one another. Be compassionate to one another. And maybe the third one is not so much of a command as an explanation. How can you be kind and compassionate to one another? Well, you've forgive each other. Now, is that easy or hard? Depends sometimes, but it's not easy all the time. Here's another one, Matthew 5, 28. Everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. 
That's a command, guys. We, there's, is there any gray area there? I mean, we kind of know what that means, right? One more. Romans 14, 19. Let us pursue what promotes peace and what builds up one another. So let's make, let's make some applications. Um, by the way, by the way, I want to show you a verse in the Bible. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. I want you to turn there with me if you can. I haven't asked you to turn much. That's the problem with a series like this. You, you don't stay in one place very much. You sort of jump around. But in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3, I, remember I told you there's a connection between loving God and obeying Him? What's the connection? Well, here it is. In 1 John 5, 3, John the Apostle, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes, This is the love of God that we keep His commandments. Now, what this does is it makes it very obvious to us that I can't be a serious Christian and say, I love God while flouting His commandments. Now, I'm not saying that we're perfect. Nobody, nobody can be perfect. Everybody here is going to, to sin. Satan knows what buttons to push in your life. He knows whether uh, anxiety is your, fear of, is your sin of choice or lust or addiction or seeking approval. We all have different personalities and different weaknesses. Anger, maybe. Uh, sensitivity. We all have different problems and, and sins, areas. But here's what I can't do. I can't say, I don't care what God commands on this issue. I'm going to live this way. And at the same time, with a straight face, say, I love you, Lord. I love you. Because the Bible says, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Jesus said just as much. He said, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. So let's do some practical exercises. Let's say, you, let's say this week, somebody hurts your feelings. Somebody hurts your feelings. And you, you know, you just want to vent. You want to take it out on them somehow. And so what do you do? You're angry. You want to criticize that person. Well, you have a choice at that point. You could do what feels good. What feels good? You could go blow them up. Point your finger in their face. Blah, 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 blah. You could uh, start calling your prayer network. <laughs> See how I did that? You could start calling your gossip network. You, did you know what happened to me? Did you know what this person said about me? We could do that. We could go into social media and vent. Or we could do what God commands. What does he say to do? Pray for one another. Forgive one another. He says, when you're anxious, when you're mad, when you're concerned, take your concerns to me. What did David do in the Psalms? Boy, so many of the Psalms are David just pouring his heart out to God. He wasn't perfect, but he was a man after God's own heart. Another scenario. Uh, you and your wife have an argument. You could do what feels good. Uh, that could be, you know, different couples have different strategies for dealing with, uh, 
you know, when they're angry at each other. You could ignore each other for a couple of days. Well, we'll just, you know, I'll let her go. I'll pretend to spend my time out in the shop for three days and then, you know, whatever. You could get into a knockdown, drag out argument every night. Or you could do little things that you know annoy you. She doesn't like it when I leave the toilet seat up. So uh, I'm going to leave the toilet seat up just to tick her off. We don't ever do things like that, do we, guys? Maybe. <laughs> Women, do we ever do stuff like that? You know what we could do instead? We could obey God. We could treat each other like we're on the same team. Sometimes husbands and wives forget we're on the same team. That we love each other. The Bible says, do not let the sun go down on your, on your anger. How many times do we do that? It's not good. Another scenario. Hard to envision, I know, but an important election is influenced. Maybe even rigged. I'm not saying it was, but maybe. You feel like it's not right. You can do what feels good to you. That could be falling into depression, spinning yourself up into an angry whirlwind, or throwing up your hands in apathy and saying, forget it all. Or you could obey God. God says, fear not. How many times does he say fear not in the Bible? How many times does he say, don't be anxious? Guys, we have a choice to make. We are constantly presented with the choice either to obey God or obey self. You can glorify God by loving him. You know how you know when you love him? When you keep his commands. Which brings me to uh, the next main question. And that is, why? Why should I bother? You know, why should I bother even trying to glorify God? What right does he have to tell me that I have to do that? I want to do what I want to do. I want to please myself. I want to do what feels good. After all, he put us here with these emotions and these feelings and these taste buds. Don't we have a right to do and pursue what makes me happy? Well, not really. We must glorify God because, in other words, let, let's, let's fill in the equation here. Why am I to glorify God? Well, I'm to glorify God. That is, I am to love and obey Him, right? Because He made me and takes care of me. You're to do it because He made you and takes care of you. Now, what this does is it turns last week's question on its head, right? You know how you uh, check a, an addition problem? So let's say, the, let's say the problem is 7 plus 5. What's the answer? 12. How do you check that? Well, you say 12 minus 7 is. Or you could do 12 minus 5, but 12 minus 7 is 5. 12 minus 5 is 7. You just, you just flip it around, and you get the right answers. And that's the way you check it, to make sure you're right. Well, this question and answer, why should I glorify God? 
It turns last week's, well, because he made me, takes care of me. It turns last week's question, um, why did God make me, right? Why? To glorify him. It just flips it around. But it does add one important component. God takes care of you. God didn't just make you. He takes care of you. Why? Because he loves you. You see, our obedience should never be begrudging. I think sometimes we forget that God actually cares about us. Why? Well, you know, I'm assuming you're a lot like me. And I don't know about you, but it is so easy for me to focus on what's going wrong. I mean, I could wake up cancer-free, lymph nodes all fine, my legs both work, I can get up, my back's not hurting, no, no migraine, my, still got my hair, might be going a little bit gray now, but I still got it. I could wake up with all of those things pointing in the right direction, but I got a little sniffle. Oh. Oh, I feel so bad. It's going to be a bad day. Now, why do we do that? Well, because we are focused on us. And anything that stands between me and ultimate happiness is going to get my wrath. But it shouldn't be that way. God takes care of you. Even when you have the sniffles, even when you have the migraine, even when your hair starts falling out, even when your husband lay sick and dying. Psalm 145, verses 8 and 9. I, if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, I want you to turn there. The last psalms are called the Hallel Psalms. They are, they are the word Hallel means praise, and they are the psalms that the Jews would sing as they were marching to Zion for the Passover or any of the other festivals for that matter. In verses 8 and 9, David writes, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and His mercy is over all. That he has made. There are a thousand different passages we could have turned to that say God is good. But he's not just good generally, he's good to you. He's good to you. Y'all remember that song? Count your blessings. Y'all know that one? You, is this a song that this church sings? Name them. One by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. God is so good. God is so good. He takes care of us. He gives us food to eat. He gives us jobs that enable us to pay our bills. He gives us rain. He gives us sunshine. He gives us good health. But even when those things get taken away, God 
is still good. You know why? Because he gave us Christ. He gave us salvation. His commands, therefore, are not a burden. You know why I can look my children in the face and tell them that what I tell them they have to do is for their good? It's because I truly love them. It's not just something that I say. I truly do. And they might not like all the commands that I give them. I'm sure they don't. But my commands are not burdensome to them. Well, maybe sometimes. Because I love them. And guess what? They know that I love them. You know what we ought to spend more time doing? We ought to spend less time thinking about what's wrong in this world. And more time thinking about how God is good. He's so good. And all we do is complain. It's not all we do, but we do too much. Guys, you can glorify God by obeying Him, by loving Him. You love Him by obeying Him. In conclusion, we all want to live a life of purpose. That last line saw it, Sean. We all want to live a life of purpose, don't we? Without purpose, we simply wander aimlessly through life. Or, <laughs> we aim at the wrong targets. But what we've learned in these first two weeks of this year is that the target you should be aiming for with your life, whether it's the school you choose, young people, for college, or the mate you choose when, you, when it's time to get married, or the job you work, or the friends you hang out with, or what you decide to do with your money. No matter what you are doing, you have a target. And that target is the glory of God. And we've also understood how to achieve that. Not perfectly, but we can aim for it. And it's often said, you cannot hit a target that you're not aiming for. <laughs> How do we do it? Well, we love God and we keep His commands. Why should we do it? Because He made us and He takes care of us. So what's the takeaway? Last slide there, Sean. What's the takeaway? Well, as always, there are two categories of people here in an audience like this. There are unbelievers. Maybe not many. Maybe just one. But I'm convinced in a crowd this size, there's at least one person who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. You know what? You cannot live a life of purpose. You, you, you cannot live a life of meaning. You cannot hit the target of glorifying God until you obey His very first command. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will be saved. Once you do that, you can live a life of meaning, a life of purpose. But until then, you're lost. Not just lost in eternity, but lost now. Wandering aimlessly through life. Picking the wrong targets. 
And when you hit it, you when you do hit your target, you realize, oh, I didn't find meaning there. Like, Sol like Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes, life is meaningless until we hit the right target. And that is bringing a life of glory to God. There's also believers, and that's the majority of you. Would you do this? Resolve to love a life of significance. Resolve to give glory to God by obeying Him, by loving Him. This week, this year, aim for that target. 